actually have an exercise, the why times five. And so once we ask the question five times, why is that your goal? Or why is that important to you? All of a sudden we're down to the bottom, usually uncovering why weight loss actually matters. And majority of the times it's so people can feel more confident. It's so people can keep up with their kids. It's so people can have more energy. It's these things that are much deeper than weight loss. And we build Mm. out the reasons that they're actually here and they can have weight loss and we will support them in their goals. We're not here to, to shame you for what you actually want in life, but we are here to ask those questions and to help you dig deeper because that's what's going to get you up out of bed. That's what's going to keep you going, especially in the beginning when the, when the going is tough and when we feel like we're not seeing results. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, today's guest is the founder and CEO of Dunbells, which is a company that stands for Honesty, Inclusivity, Strength. And they believe in building a safe community for women all over the world to show up, be themselves, lift heavy, and eat whatever makes them happy. This is sounding like music to my ears. Lucy Dunn, a warm welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. It's uh, music to my ears still. I've been doing this for a number of years and every single day I have to pinch myself that we can achieve our goals and, and do all the things that we want while still, you know, enjoying the same, the foods that we love and workouts that we can actually enjoy versus hating. So I'm excited to have this chat today. Me too. And and I guess, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode talking all about balance with fitness because it's something I feel I've had a very touch and go relationship with over the years. I feel like now I'm finally in a good place, but a huge aspect of that was I feel like we always pigeonhole ourselves to a place where we're either doing exercise we don't enjoy or eating things we don't enjoy for a short-term period or or extended period to achieve this particular goal. But there is this element of like you have to force yourself to do it. It's not fun. It feels like a chore. And when I sort of started to experiment and detach from being so fixated on doing things on a routine and within calorie counting and different things like that that really restricted me, I found a lot of fun and flexibility, which completely changed my relationship. And I'd say balance with fitness. So I'm very excited to kind of get into your story because it sounds like your mission is one that's quite similar and and aiming to strike that really nice balance with with women and their fitness. So tell us a little bit about you, how you got started with dumbbells. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. And that word balance, I'm sure we'll dive into it as we go on with this chat, but it really resonates with me because I feel like it's somewhat of a buzzword out there and used in a really incorrect way. But when we actually use it, truly for our lives, I do believe that that sweet spot exists. And that is only because I've been through my own experience and my own journey, which meant, you know, I was really good at gaining weight, losing weight, that typical yo-yo dieting that I know a lot of people are probably nodding their heads as they listen to this. That was something that I wasn't finding that balance. I was either all or nothing. And that leads to just disappointment year after year. And so that was one of the reasons that Dunbell started. And then the second reason was that I struggled with an eating disorder. And I found that there weren't that many resources out there. There weren't even 
people mentioning it, talking about it. It felt like this big secret. And so one of the reasons that I did start this company was to normalize these discussions and normalize these conversations. And so that's really what I do day in, day out is I help women around the world, not only achieve their health and wellness goals, but we really focus on that mindset element as well, because we can't have, you know, the fitness and the health and the nutrition all working well for us if we don't take care of what's upstairs and in between those ears. And I'm a huge believer in that. And that stems from my own experience of just like that yo-yo dieting, constantly losing weight, putting weight back on, really struggling, not knowing where to turn for answers. And then caked on top of that was an eating disorder, which just left me feeling even more alone and frustrated. So balance was something that I struggled with. It was something that I didn't think actually existed. And now I'm here to try my very best to convince the listeners that we can in fact have that. You know, it's so funny. So many people I have on the podcast always share that whatever they're doing now is their product, their service, their business, their life's mission has come off the back of something they've experienced. And I think there is so much power in that. And so I'm very grateful that um, you're on today to kind of be vulnerable and open up about not only your experience, but the work you're doing now. And I am really passionate about this space as well. I mean, finding that sweet spot with fitness, I feel is so important because it's something that can make such a difference in our lives. But if you have that negative relationship with either it, your body, your diet, it can really make that whole arena of your life feel like such a chore. You did mention yo-yo dieting, which I want to pivot into for one moment. It's something I also experienced more in the realm of I was either extreme on one end or extreme on the other end. So I was either like not really caring and just eating whatever and drinking on the weekends, or I was like so strict calorie counting. How did you actually move yourself out of that? Was your experience something like that or did it look a little bit different? Yeah, my experience, you know, that resonates a lot because, and that's what I I see time and time again now that when I'm working with clients is it's like, oh, people talk about falling off the wagon or I haven't done anything with my nutrition in years. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. First of all, we're being really hard on ourselves because we're likely doing a bit better than we give ourselves credit for. But there's this glamorized version of nutrition that looks like smoothie bowls and salads and clean eating and healthy everything and fresh. And I think that that's just where if we're not doing that or not following that, we can beat ourselves up and think we're doing a really terrible job. And so I come from a world where to lose weight, which was my number one goal, I was given meal plans and I worked with nutritionists and dietitians to try and help me achieve my results. And I just kept failing. I just kept falling and I didn't know why the advice they were giving me wasn't working. And so I really did struggle with trying to figure it all out, even when I had support, even when I had coaches surrounding me. And so when I was, you know, in the midst of my weight loss journey, I was really good at losing the weight if I followed everything that they advised me to really strictly, but none of it was sustainable. And so when I would stop Mm. working with them or I'd get tired of working with them because it wasn't sustainable, I'd put all the weight back on and then some. And so that's where my yo-yo dieting came from is I didn't really figure out what feels good for me. I didn't figure out what foods support my health. And I was just doing what other people told me to do, not paying attention to my actual body and my mind and those sorts of things. I lost complete touch. And so it was heavily restricting. My binge eating sort of started because I would then binge all weekend. And then I'd start again working with my coach Monday to Friday and clean it all up and pretend it wasn't happening. And I was in that vicious cycle for for many years. And so it was yo-yo dieting, which triggered a binge eating disorder which triggered just total disconnection with my body, my health, my wellness, nutrition, everything. And I can imagine a lot of people would relate to this idea of you're kind of clean Monday to Friday and then the weekend you kind of let loose because you've had such a quote good week. And that idea of falling off the bandwagon, I think is something a lot of us are guilty of saying, oh, you know, we'll work out on 
Friday so we can have those drinks on Saturday. And that mentality, um, I think, puts us in a position where we view our fitness as like we have to use it to pay off our debt of like our sins in like eating or our behavior and lifestyle. But I think we need to really reframe that. And it goes really nicely with what you were saying. And it's just our lifestyle at the end of the day. Like you are going to enjoy some heavy carby hearty meals. You are going to drink with some friends. And like that's not stuff we need to demonize or shame, but we need to have uh, routines and lifestyles that are sustainable. And that is the key word. And I think when we're talking about balance with fitness, the key word is being sustainable. So would you mind just um, opening up a little bit and sharing a touch about your experience with then how that yo-yo dieting transitions into a binge eating disorder? Um, you know, what that looks like for you, um, just share a little bit about that time because I feel like it's it's important to understand where you're coming from to then really appreciate what you've created and the work you're doing now. Yeah, totally. More than happy to share. And one of the things that you said that really resonated was we are going to have those really carb-heavy days or maybe they're weeks, maybe they're vacations, and we are going to have those Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Maybe we drink with our friends and, and then, you know, these things are part of life. And what I will say is, one of my goals was to get a six pack. That was when I was on my weight loss journey. That was one of my biggest goals. And that meant saying no to dinners with friends. It meant saying no to having those drinks. It meant saying no to pretty much everything. And I got the six pack and I was shredded and I had all of this muscle and my body fat was so low and I was so unhappy because I wasn't doing anything in a social realm. And that's part of what makes humans humans is we are wired for that connection. And so what I will say is to the people listening, please don't think that these extremes are going to lead you to this happy life because I thought abs and skinny jeans were the answer for me and I found myself just more miserable. And that's what really then triggered this binge eating disorder because I would start going out on the weekends and I would start eating all of these things and I didn't know how to find this happy medium in between it. It was mm. all or nothing for me. And so what mine looked like was Monday to Friday, it was your typical what you see all over Pinterest, meal preps in the black containers with the clear lids, chicken, broccoli, sweet potato, that would be all I ate, egg whites, those sorts of things. None of it was tasty. None of it had seasoning on it, no sauces, just really clean eating. And then on Friday, the second that would hit, I knew that it was gloves off. I could eat whatever I wanted. And so it would start with pizza, ice cream, Coke, anything and everything out of the fridge. And in large- Everything you deprived yourself of. Absolutely everything that I deprived myself of. And so I would spend the weekend binging, eating upwards of 20,000 calories at a time, feeling so sick. Wow. And then Monday would come back around and I would feel guilty. I'd beat myself up and I'd say, okay, this is the week that that's not going to happen again. And I would eat really clean and I would cross my fingers that come Friday, I wouldn't do that. But I spent years in that cycle, not knowing how to get out of it. Mm. So, so what did get you out of it? I mean, I know you spoke and shared a little bit about really bringing that awareness as to what foods make your body feel good and what movement makes your body feel good. But that's all well and good in hindsight to kind of know that stuff. Like, how did you actually break that cycle? Yeah, so I got some support, I got some help, but I also think that I reached my limit. I think that everybody has a limit and everybody's limit looks different. But I got to the point where I was just I had no energy. I was starting to have some real health concerns show up. My body was fading away. I lost my period for years. There were some sort of major things happening that made me think something's got to change here. I cannot keep going with this lifestyle. And so I sort of hit my rock bottom with trying to maintain it, trying to say sustain it. And so it was like, okay, get some help from some people who have recovered from eating disorders and perhaps start to talk about it with a few people. And so 
my girlfriend at the time, she's my wife now, was one of the people who just, you know, bless her. She really supported me through it. Wasn't ever trying to invade the conversation or, you know, wasn't trying to push me to recover or anything like that. And to be honest, in the first part of us dating, we'd sit down and eat different dinners because hers wasn't as healthy as mine needed to be. And (laughs) I look back on those moments now and think, wow, if I didn't, that was support in a way that I didn't know that I needed it, but it was just there. And so when I felt like I could take some steps towards recovering, I knew that I had some of that support there. And so I would talk about it. And I remember one of the first messages I sent was part of my recovery today is to eat a bagel and it's not the weekend. And I sent a photo and, you know, I don't even think I got a reply really. And if I did, I I don't remember it because at that point it was such an inward journey. It was for me, but it was just really nice to have some of that support around. And so really my recovery was just about in the beginning, challenging foods, trying to consume them, realizing that my body's not going to change drastically and that it's okay to have some of these things every now and then. And then from there, I was able to build up to feel more confident with actually living a, a life and, and finding that balance between it all. Yeah, yeah. And this just goes to the heart of how important like your mindset is when it comes to these things. And I have a similar, I wouldn't say as extreme experience, but a similar experience when I was like calorie counting and in that really restrictive phase of my life where I seriously convinced myself that I had an intolerance to pizza just not gluten just pizza specifically to a point where I'd feel sick even before I would eat it now for full disclosure I'm Italian and I love pizza and it was this complete like me coming out of that was honestly me having to just force myself to eat it to tell myself that it's okay like it's not going to make you sick. Like it's in your head and it really was a bit of a process. But um, I just wanted to share that because honestly, it's such a big mindset part. You become We become so fixated on these things that we set for ourselves, you know, the need for completion and the need to kind of tick things off and stick to these rules that we set for ourselves. And without that um, permission to be a bit flexible, it can become really extreme and restrictive very, very quickly. But one thing I really want to speak about, which is I'm viewing as like a big picture here, is goals when it comes to fitness. Now, you shared that one of your goals was to have the six-pack, right? And I think a lot of people can resonate with that, whether it's anything else physical, to have more tone, more muscle definition. And I just wanted to pull this one out because when it comes to setting goals with fitness, right, you said you actually achieved the goal, you got the abs, and you were so unhappy. And I think it's really interesting, and I just wanted to comment, I think whoever's got a goal with fitness right now, I just want you to think about what that is, right? Whether it is something physical, whether it's something mental, whatever it is, just have it in your mind. And then think about the why behind that goal. Because I, very similarly to you, I was training and I was doing my in-body scans, which tell you basically your body fat percentage, just to get it lower and lower. But I didn't really have a why as to why I wanted that measurement, that metric, right? My why with fitness is for the longevity of my health. It's so I have energy every day. And so really whether I have 20, 25, 30, 15, 8% body fat, my metric should be how I feel every single day, not the number on that result. And so maybe the same was for you. Maybe you were chasing this idea of, of having abs, but that didn't really equate to your why with fitness. And so I'm just curious, and that's kind of how I train the balancers to set their goals, because I think it's, yes, of course, we have physical goals and there's nothing indulgent or selfish about them. But I think they really need to square up to what our why is with fitness 
because otherwise we can lead ourselves astray and get very disappointed when you you may as well get that thing and it not actually equal what you want, if you know what I mean. So I'm just curious as to how that experience has maybe impacted the way you look and set fitness goals now. I mean, you're a coach as well. So how do you train your clients with goal setting and, and make that sustainable as a process? Yeah, this is such a good conversation and question to ask because it's, I think, really confusing for people. They also set goals because someone else set the goal. We're just like following Mm. other people's goals and not actually looking inward at all to figure out A, what we want and B, why it is important to us. And so that's one of the first things that we do with our clients. So we run an eight-week program and we run this program because it's enough time to really allow you to learn about your body, learn about your nutrition, learn about strength training, and then see enough change in that eight-week time frame. But where we start is tell us your goals. And I will say 99% of people that join us, and we've got thousands of members all around the world, their number one goal is weight loss. And we're not here to take that goal away from them. We will say, absolutely, keep that goal alive. Just put it up there on the shelf for the moment. Let's get a little bit deeper into why that is your goal. And when we ask Mm -hmm. that why, just like you're talking about, and we actually have an exercise, the why times five. And so once we ask the question five times, why is that your goal? Or why is that important to you? All of a sudden, we're down to the bottom, usually uncovering why weight loss actually matters. And majority of the times, it's so people can feel more confident. It's so people can keep up with their kids. It's so people can have more energy. It's these things that are much deeper than weight loss. And we build Mm. out the reasons that they're actually here and they can have weight loss and we will support them in their goals. We're not here to, to shame you for what you actually want in life, but we are here to ask those questions and to help you dig deeper because that's what's going to get you up out of bed. That's what's going to keep you going, especially in the beginning when the, when the going is tough and when we feel like we're not seeing results. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you brought this up. So for anyone listening, the biggest takeaway for me there is like ask yourself why five times to get to the crux of it. And I think it's interesting, right? Because if you're saying somebody starts at weight loss or having abs, whatever it is, right? And then you drill down and your actual why is confidence or keeping up with your kids. Why is it then that we use the scale as the metric when really we should be saying, do I feel confident today? Have I had energy this week to keep up with my kids? And I think if you do that exercise, you then have yourself an additional five metrics or measurements that you can use before putting all the pressure on the kgs. And I'm not taking away, like you said, like this is not to take away from somebody wanting to lose weight, right? It can be a metric, but having all the weight on that single metric when it's just a very top line um, example or reason as to why you're achieving this goal, I think you're really limiting yourself and you can end up coming to a bit of a spiral when you don't hit those results and you don't understand why. So for me, I had this, end or realization or epiphany when I did my last in-body scan. And for me, I was like intermittent fasting. I had so much energy. I felt like I was smashing my sessions. My sleep was amazing. All these incredible things, right? And I was confident this last scan would be like the best one I'd ever done. 
quote, best being the lowest body fat percentage, right? And then I did it and I had gone up by like two previous tests. I had put on body fat percentage. And it was in that moment I had to make that choice. And I was like, I'm going to not rely on this top line measurement of this body fat percentage because of all my other rationales, like my energy every day, how I feel about myself, how I'm sleeping, all those things, this one single measurement cannot tell me. It can tell me my body fat percentage, sure, but all these other things that form a part of my why, and like you said, for other people listening, I think it's so important to build out that rationale. Um, So you're not taking away what you actually want, but it just gives you a little bit more perspective. And then I think that awareness to be able to tune into other parts of your life to give you that confirmation as to whether you're progressing or not, I think is such a powerful way to, to look at your goals. Yeah. And you talk about sustainability and that right there. If we are jumping on the in-bodies or the e-vault scans or whatever they are every single week and we're allowing these numbers to dictate then how we show up, how we show up to our workouts, how we show up with our nutrition, this is one tool in our toolkit. And in my opinion, it's not super sustainable to just focus on that thing. It's like anything in life. We put all our eggs in one basket Mm. and that's not usually a great recipe for success. And so let's diversify these tools. Let's look at the energy we have. Let's look at the confidence we're finding. Let's look at the enjoyment from this movement. Let's look at the pressure we've put away from ourselves around food. These things are invaluable and a scan or a scale is just never going to tell us that. And so it can be a really high hard place to get away from though. I was speaking to two clients today, both of who are talking about they feel so different. They have all this energy. They're 57 years old and they're doing push-ups, and we're having these conversations. And yet we're still circling back to the scale was only down two and a half kilograms in this many, in this much time frame. Well, first of all, we're burning fat. We're building muscle. Second, who cares? I could not care less about the scale. And inside of our program, we asked for it one time at the beginning to help us with some calculations around nutrition. Apart from that, it is not a metric that we could care about any less. And so time to step away from the scale. Our first move from that is to put it somewhere where you can't see it, not on the bathroom floor where you see it every single day. We're putting it away, put it out of sight. I'll be fully transparent. The goal is actually to get it completely out of your house, throw it off a building, light it on fire, whatever you need to do. But that's our first step because some wild attachments can come up when we actually remove it because all of a sudden we're like, what am I using as a metric? What am I using to measure progress? And so that's a transition for people and we don't want to move too quickly on that. And so another big takeaway, if you're listening to this, please maybe just entertain the idea of getting someone to hide your scale just for a little bit. I promise if you really want it to come back, you can go and get it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really interesting to reflect on. So whether it is a scale or if you're like me, if it was an in-body scan, just to notice right now, right, if if Lucy was your coach and she was to take that away from you and you had no access to it, how would that make you feel? Because the only take like the only reflection here for me is to notice, okay, am I does that really make me uncomfortable and stress me out? Because for me, that means I'm placing all of my validation on something external to me when it really, we need to flip that and find a way to come back internally. And I think you and I both have had experiences where we've come back to ourselves and and use that validation, that inner compass to know if we're on the right track, if we're happy with our progress and what we're doing. And I hope for everyone, I mean, for me now in this moment in my life, that really is ultimately the definition of balance with my fitness is being able to rely on that inner compass to know if I'm happy, if I'm progressing, if I'm feeling good in what I'm doing. Um, And so I think just noticing if you were to remove that top line 
measurement or metric that we've been talking about, so the scales, the scans, those sorts of things, how would that make you feel? And I think that can give you a good indication as to whether you're sitting in that external or internal kind of validation. Um, but I, I, I'm loving this conversation, you know, the, and I think coming up to end of year, you know, we're getting very close to Christmas, which means New Year's resolutions are around the corner. And for a lot of people setting those new goals for their fitness is something that always forms a part of that kickstart for the new year. And so I think for everybody listening, you know, ha- having that approach where you do the five whys, like the five, ask yourself why five times to get to the real why, I think is very powerful. Maybe not even in the context of fitness, to be honest. It could even be with your work. Do you have like financial goals? Um, if you're looking for a partner or you have goals for your relationship or just anything else, really bringing it down to the crux and, and forcing yourself to a point where you can't ask why anymore will give you the, the real true answer. So you kind of do it once uncensored and then you do a deep dive into all of them. You have that why to help you get through those shitty days because I'm telling you now, like a, a measurement on a scale, if it doesn't live up to your expectation, it'll automatically equal a bad day. Do you know what I mean? So, so having that why will, will make all of that a lot more profound and easier to kind of get through. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Let's pivot a little bit. I want to ask you in your experience as a coach and, and obviously being the CEO of your of your company as well, what do you feel are some of the biggest myths at the moment in the health and the fitness industry that we can debunk right here, right now? Oh, where do we begin? We could honestly be here for hours. One of the ones that just I'll think about even my own sort of social scrolling and things that are popping up. I get all this, all sorts of targeted ads from things in my industry and I guess the one that drives me you know absolutely beside myself that I could just be here all day talking about is this myth around I guess spot reducing we could call it and we'll get into it more but basically these workouts that I always see and they're videos and they're talking about the lower stomach area or they're talking about love handles or hips and they're showing you 10 exercises to change this part of your body and this is just one of the biggest myths out there in terms of how fake it is, like how unrealistic that actually is. And so when we look at bodies and we look at the way that we can change them, we can absolutely do, we can absolutely make progress. We can absolutely do certain types of training on certain muscle groups on an area of our body, which can help grow that muscle, which can help change, you know, change that muscle However, it's marketed to us as, you know, these these 10 exercises are going to zap away the stuff that's on your inner thighs, or Mm -hmm. it's going to take care of that lower body fat, or it's going to take care of those love handles by doing these 10 exercises. And often they're the most terrible exercises ever that are part of this whole myth out there that we can just pinpoint one area of our body. And so that's one that just really gets me. I, I get targeted for all these things that you know, showcase an area of the body. Most of it is that lower stomach, hips, thighs, and it's promised to do these 10 exercises or five exercises or whatever it is to get rid of that area. And that's just couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that one. I think, look, overall, if you're going to like strengthen and like, for example, do like a lower body program or like you can do exercises for specific muscle groups but I think that you're right like putting all the pressure for that single workout or exercise to drop all the weight or whatever it's promising is is yeah definitely misleading any other myths you wanted to share before we wrap up the the chat today 
one of the things that I see and hear all the time, or people ask me actually, is like, can I eat this after eight o'clock? Or can I have this, you know, does it matter when I eat my breakfast and those sorts of things? And again, if we are competing elite athlete level, those types of details around nutrition timing and workouts, they, they can make a difference. They can matter. However, for the everyday human, like you or I, if you want to eat 10 o'clock dinner, you eat 10 o'clock dinner. If you want to eat early morning breakfast, eat 6am breakfast. If you don't like breakfast, that's okay. Just make sure you're eating something earlier on in the day to give yourself enough fuel to get through for the rest of the day, but you don't need to rise and shine and make your smoothie at 6am to be a healthy person. And so that's just another like big umbrella myth around these meal timings and importance Mm. of all this stuff. If you're not this elite Olympic athlete, it's okay just to let the reins loose on what time you eat things and how much you're eating at certain times of the day. Yeah. And it comes down to our unique individual balance and lifestyle at the end of the day. Like if you don't enjoy doing something, don't do it. If something doesn't feel right to you, don't do it. Definitely experiment, be flexible, try out new things that you've seen and heard about. But at the end of the day, it's about coming back to yourself and, and, you, you said it at the very beginning of the show, being aware of how these things are making you feel. And then you just keep going in the direction of the things that make you feel good, the things that give you energy, the things you enjoy. And then eventually you get to this place where you're surrounded or cushioned by a diet, an exercise routine, um, a lifestyle that, that gives you what you want from it, basically. Yeah. And look at you and I, you know, we're talking from this place of, I would call it experience. We've been through these things and it's taken us a little bit to get here. So also being patient with yourself and trusting the journey. My advice is to go to people for support and help and coaching that have perhaps they're talking about what you actually want to feel and what you want to achieve versus the old me who just went to all the trainers that had six packs because I didn't know any different. And so just being really careful about who you take your information from. And I believe that shortens the time frame of that long journey you have to find out these things that you and I have learned because it hasn't been easy and it's totally worth it. But I do believe that there is a way to sort of shorten that time frame so that you don't have to go through so many highs and so many lows. Absolutely. And and the only other thing I would add to that is even when you do experience those highs and lows, just trust that they're all necessary to get you to a place where you're like, well, I actually didn't enjoy that because if you didn't experience it, you wouldn't know. And then you may potentially have to try it later down the track. So just trust that everything you're experimenting with and being flexible with will end up getting you to where you need to be. So don't be um, hard on yourself and, and don't feel like a failure if you haven't got it all worked out straight away. Um, That's the only thing I would add. But for anybody listening who has really connected with Lucy's message, wants to know more about how to work with uh, dumbbells, you know, you can work with them from all around the world, whether you're currently listening from the US, from anywhere in Europe, from New Zealand, from Australia, anywhere, you can work with Lucy and her team. And she is kindly giving away two spots to her signature eight-week program as a thank you to all of the balancers. And I mean, I want to be thanking you, but I'm really grateful that you're giving away these two spots. So for everybody listening, more info on that can be found. I've popped a link in the show notes. But speaking of, for anybody who wants to connect with you or Dunbells a little bit further, what's the best place or where's the best place they can go? And I'll also add those links below. Yeah, so I'm a big oversharer on Instagram and I'm happy to we love put, it. <laughs> put my whole life on there and a little bit on, on YouTube and both of those handles are at Dunbells. So it's D-U-N-N-E 
B-E-L-L-S. And I hope that you enter. I hope that you are inspired by this conversation. But at the end of the day, if you also just want to have a conversation, there are so many people that were there for me and helped me through my journey simply by being on the other end and being a supportive ear and open arms. And so if there's, you know, if I can ever repay that to somebody else, sometimes a conversation with somebody who just gets it can go a long way. And I hope that people are filled up by this conversation. I'm sure they will be. But I do just want to say my doors are always open with no strings attached just to have these conversations because I do believe in just supporting each other. And like you said, it's a journey and we can be thankful for the things that we've been through. And one thing that I was thankful for were all the incredible humans that gave me their time and, and gave me their expertise. And so my thing is like pay that forward and it'll always come back. So always happy to have those conversations with anyone who wants to have them. Beautiful. And and I mean, I've just loved getting to know you and a little bit about your mission and your backstory today. And you're, you've got a really beautiful energy. So I'm very grateful that you've opened that up to anybody listening who may feel they want to have that conversation. Don't be shy. All those links will be in the show notes. I just want to thank you so much for giving me your time this morning. And I really appreciate it and look forward to seeing what's ahead for yourself and Dunbells. Awesome. Well, thanks for providing this platform. And honestly, you're the gate to all these amazing conversations happening and you got the same energy and I feel like we could be here for hours but we won't uh, keep the listeners <laughs> we can take that offline but really just thank you for creating this space for creating so many awesome conversations your podcast is you know really good it's just so many like authentic conversations and I think that we're at this place in this world where we're ready for that and we can be on the receiving end of that in a really great way so you make this all happen and I'm just glad to be here Thank you so, so much. Giving you a massive virtual hug. And um, yeah, we can definitely get you back on for a chat because I agree. We could probably go on for more and more hours. Part two, to be continued. <laughs> TBC. Thanks so much, Lucy. Thanks, Erica.